Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Yeah, I came out there and I, I came running out there and I was ready to go um, and get back in right away. And they were just trying to, they were like, hold on, like, let's see, let's make sure you're good. And CJ was in the middle of like a two minute drive, so it's kind of a weird timing. Um, and then they called, uh, it was before they, that play that CJ threw that deep ball to Ag that we almost scored on. I was wanting to go in before that, and they called it. I'm just like, I want to go in. This, I, know, I was like, this play's going to score, you know? Um, but CJ threw a great ball there. Um, but no, I was trying to get back in as soon as I could. They were just trying to make sure I'm all good, so it was good. That is Trevor Lawrence. It was a great ball by CJ Beathard. Uh, Got to be caught by Jamal Agnew. I mean, as good as he's been, it's the first time you're like, my goodness. And then once that goes wrong, you're like, it, guys on offense just can't make enough plays right now. You know, we're going to talk about the quarterback here in a moment, but, I mean, how many times? Uh, you know, LaVisca Chenault caught a big pass, I thought, on third and four. Yeah. In traffic. And so you got to give him credit. You know, after these last few weeks where it feels like he's got a bit of the dropsies, he makes a big play in traffic in that spot and uh, gets a first down. He also made another play, I think it was, right when he got close, and then they tried the quarterback sneak, mm -hmm. right? So he was close to the first down. So he made some nice plays. So you, you can't discount some of the plays that they make. But in the big spots, I mean, this is how you lose football games. This is why you, you haven't won so long because guys on third and two last week drop it or on uh, on that touchdown pass, which is a beautiful throw. And and I understand Agnew's not like this receiver, receiver, but that's, you can't use any excuse in that play. I mean, he's got to make the play. And so, then Carlos Hyde tries yeah. to do too much on first down where he's just not a try-to-do-too-much kind of back either, and he fumbled it away. So I'm looking up passes dropped for the season in terms of where the Jaguars rank. It's a lot. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sorry, NBC Sports, but I'm not buying into to your stats here because they have the Jaguars with only six drops this season. I had six and drops in the first two weeks. I know. They're, 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 seriously, there's no way. Yeah. I, so I saw a stat go last that. week, so I don't know who tracks drops, right? Yeah. But I, we saw a stat in the Seattle game, I think it was last week, where they said the Jags have 11 drops on third down alone this yeah. year. So I, I don't know who dr dr drops a weird stat. Yeah. But we know, right? We know our eyes have told us that there's been drops. And some are tougher than others, but there are drops. And, you know, I mean, listen, Carlos Hyde with Trevor Rowland Wright down there like the six-yard line diving out of bounds because he's a running back and he's not even that kind of running back where he's going to catch a lot of passes. Yeah. I get it. it it's, it's probably a really tough play for him. Mm -hmm. um, but the ball hit him in both hands. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what the clarification of a drop is. I'm just telling you the stats say that Jaguars only have six, which yeah. I do not buy in whatsoever. Um, first place right now, in case you're wondering, Carolina Panthers with 20. Really? Drops. Yeah. Hmm. How do the Jacksonville Jaguars, by the way, Robbie Anderson has a bunch of those, I think. He, well, yeah, he's going to have more, I think, coming his way, too, if, he, if Sam Darnold keeps doing Sam Darnold stuff. Hey. Hey, I just, <laughs> you see the sideline footage? Yes, I saw okay. the sideline footage. Okay. How do the Jaguars get better on offense now? Because they're in a little bit of a funk. Yeah. Uh, I thought their offense, the first handful of games, even though they weren't producing points, was actually moving very nicely. Yeah. I thought they had a rhythm to it. They would make critical mistakes. But I thought they were moving the football. It's like, okay, they can go down and score. Trevor's going to look deep. Uh, I think the offensive line has been a little bit leaky. People are figuring him out a little bit more. They're blitzing him on a lot of, like, every third down, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and Trevor hasn't been as sharp the last couple weeks. I don't think he was bad yesterday, uh, but I don't think he yeah. made the play or two that you really needed to make, and he had a couple of opportunities to make the throw or two that might have put the game away, and he was unable to do it because I remember saying, all right, this is the time now. This is where, this is where you can take that next step, and we never really saw it. Uh, you know me. I, I love the guy. I think he's going to be fantastic. But the last two weeks, he, he has been just kind of there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it starts with him. It has to start with him. And, and now that James Robinson was out, you know, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has to step up because, and that to me, if I'm James Robinson, to, to echo what um, our caller Steven said earlier on the show today, if I am James Robinson, I, I am bringing that to the table and saying I, I have been the most consistent thing on this team um, since I suited up for the Jaguars. Anytime I'm on the field, I am the epitome of consistency. Uh, and that's what James Robinson is. Now, when you lose James Robinson, guys like Carlos Hyde fill in. Like, and Carlos Hyde did okay. You know, I mean, he, he had a yeah, couple he nice okay. runs. and Outside it, of the was, fumble. Yeah, outside the fumble, obviously. Um, it, it was just okay. But you, you saw that they were, they were lacking just that whatever it was, that, that grit, uh, that toughness on offense with, without James Robinson. And I just think Trevor Lawrence right now with the weapons that he has – um, whether it's with drops, like, you know, Farrell, I, I remember that one. Yeah, true, um, Farrell had one, too. I forgot yeah. about that. It's just, it's not enough, I feel like, right now for him to succeed and to have confidence. And I think you're seeing a guy that is trying to force things sometimes and make things happen, and thankfully sometimes the defense can't capitalize on those plays yeah. because... Was that ball tipped, been... by the way? The one, you remember, yeah, the, yeah. the one you were talking about, which was almost picked, uh, not the one, like, in the end zone, it, I don't know if it was almost picked in the end zone to look for a second, like it... It was very good coverage. I thought that was a bad play call anyway. Uh, more on that in a moment. Okay. But you remember the one over the middle? Yes. Where it was almost, it looked like it was almost picked, but I don't know where he was throwing it. And and then Ty, I think I was out in the stands and Ty was like, yeah, I think it was tipped. Or See, somebody I don't else think, making I the think he just tried to throw over it. I don't think it was tipped. I think he was trying to like angle it and uh, like it just got away from it. I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Yeah. I mean, there are so, like some of those you got to be really careful with. And then I think it's the plays really like. I don't think he's putting the ball in a lot of danger, mm -hmm. if I'm being honest. Like, there are a couple plays here or there, but every quarterback does that and has that, mm -hmm. and hopefully you don't get picked. I really think it's just the plays that were there to make, he might not have made. Third and two to Agnew, he underthrows him, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's a ball that he threw to Marvin Jones earlier in the year against the Titans and, and completed it. Tough play. Yeah. Uh, the Marvin Jones double move down the sideline. Now, if you go back and watch that, he does not have a lot of time. And I think his thinking is, all right, don't make a mistake. So the, the mis to avoid mistake, you throw it deeper, mm -hmm. right, especially if you're getting pressure. And I think that's why he overthrew him so much. But it's also a play that you know, wouldn't it. suck to make. No, you got to have it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, th I think that's it right now. It's not like yesterday's – last week in Seattle, I just thought it was bad. I thought he was out of sync. I thought everything looked weird for the, everybody. Yesterday, I didn't think he looked bad. I just was like, okay, make the play to go win the game. Your defense has done so much. Yeah. And this is why they drafted you, and unfortunately he didn't do it. Uh, he, he hasn't been able to do that yet. Like, he really hasn't had that kind of game yet. Mm -hmm. uh, we're still waiting on that. Uh, but listen, I mean, I think he shows a lot of things. He's got – I don't want to know how many excuses you should get. Listen, Zach Wilson doesn't have a lot around him. Justin Fields doesn't have a lot around him. He's got excuses. Everybody's got excuses. I mean, they are playing without three of their starting offensive linemen yesterday. They're playing without their best player on offense. They're playing without a guy like DJ Shark and Travis Etienne. And, I mean, that's real. It's not 
what you want. It's not what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. If all those guys play, I wonder if this offense looks a lot better. I think that's fair to say. Uh, but the offensive line has been a little bit leaky at times the last couple of weeks. And to not notice that there are two and three guys missing and that's starting to impact them, I think that's a real deal thing. I think they've got to be careful about this offensive line over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and when you saw Walker Little, too, um, you know, start out a little shaky. Yeah. Uh, I think kind of found his footing in, in yeah. the second half a little bit, which is good. It's what you want to see. Um, I still think if Cam Robinson comes back healthy for next week, you want to start Cam Robinson over Walker Little. And by the way, what, what is happening in the pregame warm-ups where guys keep getting hurt? Why is I know, that's odd. Well, I mean, the back thing doesn't surprise you. You can hurt your back putting on your cleats, sure. you know. I mean, I it was a muscle thing is what Urban Meyer said yeah, today, yeah. so that's odd. But we also saw Tufeli hurt his hand yeah, yeah. Uh, and break his hand. Yeah. I mean, I've seen guys get hurt in warm-ups before, but that's twice now yeah. for the Jags. Um, yeah, so, you know, hopefully Cam Robinson will be back for, for next week, and that's going to short things up a little bit more, give you a little more confidence. And, you know, just with these wide receivers, um, it's, it's about, you know, getting the opportunities that you have and making sure that you can secure the football. And speaking of opportunities in terms of wide receiver, uh, ESPN's Mike DiRocco is saying that the Jaguars did not put a waiver claim on o Odell Beckham Jr., it's a bummer. And also, uh, John Shipley's reporting that the Jaguars have signed wide receiver John Brown and running back Jordan Wilkins to the practice squad. So let's talk about both. No Odell Beckham Jr. does not surprise me. Yeah. It would have been nice to put a claim in and feel like they were interested, but yeah. they could. you saw what Odell Beckham said. I Good. mean, the Jags aren't chaos, in. I chaos, Brent. I don't I care. Uh, I don't care. It just doesn't surprise me that the Jags didn't put a claim in, or Odell Beckham Jr. is not coming in. Has Odell Beckham Jr. landed anywhere yet? Is there any report on that, where he's going to go? Mike, again, I, I'll be really surprised. There's nothing out there yet. I'd be really surprised if he ends up with any of, like, the top eight teams on the waiver wire, or ten teams. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I think their agent and everybody crafted some things over the weekend to be like, hey, we ain't coming there. We don't want to come there. You saw some of the reports that were out. So um, I hope the Jags investigated it, were interested in it, and just said, hey, listen, if we put a claim in for this guy, he's not going to come play. We don't want to deal with that garbage, so we're not going to put the claim in. But yeah. I hope behind closed doors they really thought about it because I just don't understand how you could say, Hey, we're trying to be better. We want to be better. Hey, we have more money than anybody else in the league. He makes Trevor Lawrence better. That's all I he care about. He makes him better, right? I don't so care. Yeah. He makes you better as a team. Like, like, so that's, I hope they at least looked at it. Now, John Brown. How does it work? Like, there was a report that, like, with the $7 million that he was owed in the cap space, there was only, like, 12 teams that could afford him. So how does that work if he goes unclaimed? Isn't he still $7 million or no? Well, no, I mean, if it was to go unclaimed, then you can restructure it however you want, right? Yeah, once you clear waivers, you can you become, uh, like, a free agent. You're kind of so. at everybody's mercy. That makes more sense, then. And uh, so they might have taken the risk that, hey, let's keep it high, and then we can, so nobody wants to, you know, yeah, put a claim in. Yeah, I think, yeah. And then if we keep it that way, we're going to pass through waivers. Mm-hmm. Because only 12 teams are going to be interested anyway, and they might not want to take on the risk for the last 10 games of the year. And then we can redo our own and go anywhere we want. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a <laughs> well, it here's Beckham Jr., again, he's a big name, is the game that way. And my guess is a lot of GMs around the league are going to say, no, the game is not what his name is. Yeah. But, I can, mean, but they just signed John Brown. I mean, is Odell Beckham Jr. going to help you out or is John Brown going to help you out? I mean, I, I would like to think that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to help you out a little more. Um, John Brown doesn't wear gloves. That's a fun fact, in case you're wondering. Doesn't wear gloves as a wide receiver. So old school throwback type of yeah. guy. I like that. 
you know how I operate with these situations. Usually I take the player's side, right? Former player, part of the shield, part of the brotherhood. But honestly, and yeah, I see where Odell Beckham Jr. is coming from, where, you know, you, you had a rough time with New York and how that ended. You go to Cleveland, you think it's going to be paradise, and you have a rough time there because they're a run-first team, and you think Baker Mayfield's out to get you and all this stuff. Okay, so you don't want to be there anymore. Fine. But the writing's on the wall for Odell Beckham Jr. Because teams had an option to trade for you and take on your contract. And guess what? Nobody did it. Mm-hmm. Okay, now there was rumors saying that the price, whatever the case may be, at the end of the day, when the trade deadline hit, nobody traded for you. So, yeah, teams maybe want you, but how bad do they want you? Yeah. Because they ain't giving up a fifth-round pick for you. No. And giving up a sixth-round pick for you, maybe. So then how bad do teams really want Odell Beckham Jr.? So I think right now, like, yeah, you're trying to have the ball in your court. You're trying to have all the power with your agent and everything, and you want to say if you go to a, you know, to a bad team, you're not going to play for them. Okay, man. But once again, you had that opportunity with the trade deadline and nobody bid on that. So you went to the waiver wire. What more, like, rules is rules at the end of the day. So and if I'm Jacksonville, I still would have put a claim in on him. I don't, but that's just what I would have did. But I, again, I think there are, I'll, I'll my, put them all in. my guess is there are behind the scenes dealings that go on here from phone calls or texts or, hey, don't. Don't do this, you know. Yeah, but so what's going to happen? You can put a bad tweet about the Jaguars out? Probably, and that's oh. why I would do it anyway. You're right. I mean, I would. Like, I, Leave that to me. I'm not a – I don't fall in I love with that. the name guys all the time, but I just do – I don't think you can answer this question. Are we – I don't think you can answer this question in a negative way. If we signed – again, I'm being the Jags front office – uh, if we sign Odell Beckham Jr., are we better Sunday against the Colts than we were Sunday against the Bills? Yes. And I don't think you can say no to that. Yeah. And when you say that, then you say, okay, are we going to be better against San Fran? Are we going to be better against Atlanta? Are we going to be better here? Well, again, this is not a football team doing what the Texans are doing. This mm-hmm. is not a football team that did what they did last year looking for a number one overall pick. This is a team that's trying to create a culture of winning, trying to get some W's. And so whatever's going to help you win, and quite frankly, at the cost of $7 million, if it helps you get three or four more wins, to me, it's worth it. You know? Well, yeah, well <laughs> exactly. And here's the thing that I think deserves to be brought up. I can't stress this enough. No team traded for Odell Beckham Jr. So the market for Odell Beckham Jr., I don't think it's as high as he thinks that it is. As far I as agree I'm, that, yeah. So as far as I'm and his agent thinks that is as well. As far as I'm concerned about this season, like, I get people are saying, all right, you know, playoff push could happen now. You know, they've won two of their, the last three, whatever, okay. I don't think the Jaguars are going to the playoffs. I think the goal of this season still is to give Trevor Lawrence as many weapons and as much confidence as possible because he is the guy for the time being, for the time moving forward. And Odell Beckham Jr. can do that. And if, if I'm bulky and I'm having this conversation with his agent, I bring up the fact that nobody traded for Odell Beckham Jr., so go ahead and get the, you know, he's only going to, you don't have the right to dictate where you want to go when your demand is not that high, when your numbers really this year are not that good. So get that out of your head right now. And I'm going to tell him straight up, maybe we sign you for a lease just for one year, but it's an important year because if you come in here and ball out, well, then now all of a sudden the hype is back on, on schedule. Now teams maybe are going to, uh, you know, are going to try to go after you and give you money that you deserve uh, with a team that you deserve. But as far as I'm concerned right now, we don't know what Odell Beckham Jr. even is. You know, we really, don't. we really don't. So I think he still has to prove himself a little bit. 
So if I'm the Jaguars, I get Odell Beckham Jr. I say, well, come prove it then. Come, come show us why you're better than us when you want you, you want to be here. So come show us why you're better than every other team or whatever. That's you know the top ten in the waiver order, and show us why you're that good. And if you show us why you're that good, then we're not going to resign you. Fine, go someplace else and get your money and do what you want to do. But you still got to earn that. I think a lot of times, again, I'm trying to come up with reasons why. And there's two two thoughts I have. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is a risky play in in a strange way. I mean, this it is because are you do you want to deal with anything? Do you want to deal with that stuff? Do you bring somebody into what you've tried to create in a locker room that's really playing hard and everything else? Uh, whether you want to believe that from the outside or not, I think people internally in those buildings believe that. Like they believe one guy might upset this what we're what we've built and what we have. And so I think there's a little risk involved in bringing a guy like that in. But I also think if you want to turn this around, sometimes risk needs to be taken, mm. you know? And, and I mean, I think this is pretty much, when it comes to risk, I think it's kind of low risk uh, to try this out. And you know what? If you miss, this is way, <laughs> it's way easier for anybody to handle bringing Odell Beckham Jr. in and he says, I don't want to play for you or only plays eight games for you and you spent $7 million and he only has eight catches than it is that you missed the last 10 first-round draft picks that you ever picked. Well, you know? No, so, for sure. I mean, we've lived through that in Jacksonville. I think we'll handle Odell Beckham being a bust and it being a bad signing. Well, and seriously, <laughs> what's the worst that's going to happen if you bring him here? Okay. Yes, yeah. Do you think the Jacksonville Jaguars are really worried about a couple bad tweets or a couple bad TikToks here? Not. Do you think the Jacksonville Jaguars are really worried about Odell Beckham's junior, his dad, making a video complaining about the Jaguars organization? They literally just went through their head coach in the bar grounding on, you know, a female or whatever, okay? And then they had to go to London, play a game, which they won. So, yeah, I think if this team can handle that whole thing and that dumpster fire and try to put that fire out with a fire extinguisher, they can handle a couple, you know, tweets of Odell Beckham Jr. pouting. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Why not risk it for the biscuit? I do think uh, – I, and so here's my second part. I think in general – while we all, I always say, it's not my money. Go ahead and spend it if you want. I don't think GMs think that way. I think GMs try to make the wise, smart decision mm. and be consistent with that rather than just be like, all right, that guy's available. Boom, let's go get him. And so yeah. I, I, I'm just telling you, listen, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just but, trying to get, I think what, unless Shad Khan came down and said, hey, I think let's give this a whirl. Tell me why you're not going to give this a whirl. I think Trent Balky's probably going to be like, is it worth $7 million for Odell Beckham? Look at him on tape the last two years. He's already injured with a shoulder. For $7 million, is that a wise move to spend my owner's money and free agent money on that? Like, I think seriously that's what he probably says in this process. And most of the time that answer is going to be, yeah, probably not. But I'd say, hey, roll the dice. <laughs> no, but, okay, but you think injuries are, are the – because listen to who we're talking about here, the Brent. We're talking about Trent Balky who came from San Francisco, whose M.O., whose calling card was drafting guys with injuries, was swinging for the fences with guys coming off of major drafting. injury. Well, yeah, but that's Not still a risk. Not $7 million price tag. Okay, but that's still a risk. A first-round draft pick is still a risk. Yeah. And, and it comes with a price tag as well, well especially thing. back then when he was the GM. I don't want to paint this that I know that's what he was saying and thinking. I just think in general that's kind of what these guys think. They're like, okay, is this a smart play? Well, here's why it's not a smart play. Here's the three reasons, the pros and cons of it. Mm -hmm. And I think you can come up with the cons of it if you're making a sound business decision on bringing Odell Beckham in.
But if you're making a, hey, let's win the game Sunday decision, <laughs> which also is kind of what you're in the business of doing, yeah, it just feels like that makes us better. And then they get John Brown. I mean, yeah, cool. John Brown. <laughs> Can he, is he still fast? I hope so. <laughs> but it's going to take more than that, though, just to be fast, because they got Tyron Johnson. Yeah, and he was inactive yesterday. Yeah. So. I don't, I don't like when I type in John Brown and the person that comes up was... Kicker? No, some guy from the 1850s. <laughs> I don't like that. I think he was pretty important, though, if I'm not mistaken from history class. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Oh, shout out to John Brown. Yeah, yeah. good call, Casey. <laughs> dang. <laughs> yeah, him and Frederick Douglass doing the dang thing. Yeah, okay. the boys. Yeah. The boys. Okay. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Sorry, folks. Don't get that Odell Beckham jersey. It ain't happening here in Jacksonville. Go get a John Brown jersey, though, if you want. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Well, it was complimentary football, and that's kind of what we talked about. And, and our last night's meeting was our... And all we do is we had a nice... Our video guy does a nice job putting together, and it's just all we ask these players to be the best version of themselves. And if they are, they're pretty good. If they're not, they're awful. And we saw that last week. You know, that, that was awful last week. It's not bad players. No one ever said that. But the best version of ourselves is pretty good. The first half against Cincinnati, uh, at one point you're beating a really good Cardinal team 19-10. to 10. Um, You hold a Seattle to 60 yards offense in the second half, so the best version of yourself is pretty good. And uh, they kind of bit into it and believed it, and they had a good day today. That is Urban Meyer. They did have a good day, that's for sure. I like that. The, the best version of yourself is pretty good. I like that. So I think what he's trying to say there, too, is essentially, yeah, we just got to have that best version more. Yeah. Right? I mean, first half, three quarters of Arizona, first half Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, no minutes against Seattle. Yeah. Which, by the way, happens in the league. I mean, the problem with last week's Seattle game, we said this, is is that just a, hey, it happens in the league, or is that just the Jags being the Jags? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the difference. Like, Tampa Bay Bucks have a miserable game. Dallas Cowboys, they're, they're what, 6-2? and two? They played awful I yesterday. Mean, horrible. Is that just a bad Cost game? Cost me a fantasy one. <laughs> is that just a bad game? Zero line. <coughs> Excuse me. Kick a field goal. Or is that a problem, right? And, I mean, Dallas, it's Dallas, so people will panic about it, and everybody panics about everything in the NFL, and we try to claim everything in the NFL, what it is. But the bottom line is we just don't know because the the, the most true cliche is it's a week-to-week league. I mean, and the yeah. Jags now are proof of that over the last three football games. A win in London, a miserable performance, and now a defense, of all things, that comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. To do what they did against the Buffalo Bills. Quite honestly, I have no idea what to expect next week against Indianapolis. I mean, yeah. would I be surprised if their offense scores 35? No, because expect the unexpected. Expect the best version. <laughs> I, I'm going to use that. Like, the next time like, my wife comes home from working a 12-hour shift at the hospital and she's like, hey, why not the dishes are done? You know what, babe? Just wasn't the best version of me today. <laughs> but you know what? The best version of me is pretty good. Maybe you'll get them tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. Maybe, maybe those maybe, dishes will be clean hey, tomorrow. Maybe the better version of me tomorrow will clean those dishes. <laughs> Stay tuned. Or the best, or, or what you should do is clean like half of them. <laughs> it's just an uh, okay version. I had the best version of me hey. just for about five minutes. That's sometimes, all I had. Sometimes it's the first half against Cincinnati, and sometimes you get the second half against Cincinnati. All right? I still don't understand. Seriously, you've got to tell. I, I get some people have better days than other days. Mm-hmm. 
I get sometimes you feel like Josh Allen, man, he was feeling it yesterday. And he, as good as I think he's been the last four games, he was feeling it. He's a really good football player. I believe that. I think they need to sign him to a big deal, and he's going to be around here for a long time. Like, he's that guy. He needs help, no doubt about it. But I can't get over the Taven Bryant thing. Yeah. Like, I understand what you said earlier in the show. It's like maybe a matchup deal. But that means, like, for the last four years, there hasn't been a matchup. All pro guards. That favor. <laughs> favorite Dave and Brian. No, like, I, I saw on the, <laughs> this is going to sound like so bizarre. We we're doing our pregame show, mm -hmm. uh, countdown to kickoff on the field yesterday, and I see a guy walk by, and he's got Wyoming everything on. He's got a Wyoming jacket, hmm. and he's got a Wyoming uh, hat on. The big guy, big beard guy. Okay. And a younger guy, but I mean, he's got a, a bearded guy. And, uh, so he had, like, a pregame pass to go down there, okay. which happens. Like, some guys will be down there. So I'm thinking, I was like, hey, that guy probably knows, like, Taven Bryan. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a buddy of Taven Bryan's who's at the game. And yeah. he gave him pregame passes. Yeah. Now it could have been Josh Allen's dad. <laughs> it wasn't Josh Allen's okay. dad. He was on this the Jag side. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Okay. But to your point, I kind of forgot about Josh Allen. Yeah. I forgot about Wingard. Yeah. Um, am I missing somebody else? No, you got it. That's it, right? So I, Wingard, I yeah. forgot about those guys. So it it could have been like a Wingard buddy. Yeah. Now, I I doubt it. By the look of it, it looked more like a Taven Bryan buddy. Okay, <laughs> Taven Bryan. I'm a, I'm a little bit stereotyping here, <laughs> and everything, but it looked like a that, or you don't think Andrew Wingard has friends? No, no. Listen, oh, I am not as critical of Andrew Wingard as everybody else is. Wingard actually has played way better than the fans think he is. Yeah. He really has. Now, and so, we do have a brand-new shiny Cisco just sitting on the show, but it is what but, it is. But I will say this, that this guy looked like he'd be in a deer stand with Taven Bryan. I got you. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. I don't know if I see Wingard in the deer stand. Now, he might be, Yeah. But he, and he probably is. Yeah. But I'm just saying Taven Bryan and this guy matched up a little bit better than me. As buddies. I got you. And, and Taven Bryan's not far from University of... Like, everybody where Taven Bryan's from, probably a Wyoming fan, so he could certainly have a jacket. I mean, who else are you cheering for? Yeah, probably nobody else. Wyoming State? No. So, long story no, short I is... So. Okay, <laughs> that's what I said. But long story short is, did Taven Bryan show out because, like, his buddy was there? Oh, <laughs> like. Like, why no, did Taven so, Bryan play well oh, no, all of a okay. sudden? Yeah, I mean, if you want to get technical about why Taven Bryan had the game of his life yesterday, to me it goes back to the game plan. Now, yeah, was Buffalo's offensive line struggling a little bit? Sure. But they're still NFL players. They're still making paychecks. So I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Taven Bryan played his you-know-what-off yesterday. And what I think it comes down to is yesterday you saw – the characteristics of what makes Taven Bryan a good football player and why he was drafted where he was drafted. Because the guy is an athletic freak, and I'm saying this, and I know he's an athletic freak. He is. And he has great get-off. Yeah. Where I've been very critical about Taven Bryan in the past is the fact that he, in terms of reading and recognizing what he's supposed to do, he has problems with that. When he's looking in the back, but he's trying to diagnose plays, he gets on his heels, he gets pushed back, he goes in the wrong hole. It's a mess. When Taven Bryan doesn't have to think and he can just pin his ears back, then you've seen success. Yesterday on the plays that Taven Bryan did a great job on, there were, there were blitzes, there were stunts. Whereas it's like, hey, 
no matter what happens here, you're going to this hole. So whether we, we call it like a, a pirate step or whether it's like an outside contained step, doesn't matter. You have one job, do that job, and then, you know, fall off your other defensive lineman. That's what he did. So he used his speed, used his athleticism, used his strength, and did not have to think about what was happening in the backfield. That's what you saw from Taven Bryan yesterday. That's what you have to see more from Taven Bryan is the fact that, okay, maybe I'm first down in terms of is it run, is it pass, we don't really know, diagnosing all these plays. Yeah, maybe you feel kind of on the edge about putting him in there. But when it's third down and you have a stunt called up front, you can pin your ears back and you give him just one job to do, rush here, step here, set a pick here. He can do that, and you, you can be successful with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if it gives him a little bit of confidence. I mean, he's had nothing really to turn off or, or, or get confidence from. Yeah. I know he has been really a frustrating study for so many coaches who have passed through here mm -hmm. because to what your point is, he has really the athletic ability to be a monster in this league. His peers have said that. His, the coaches have said that. Everyone has said Everybody that. has said yeah. that. And so when you have that kind of talent, like this guy really is – like people say, hey, that I can't believe the Jags picked him 28th overall. No, he's that kind of talent. Like he yeah. has that talent. Like it could have been a very good pick yeah. for the Jags. And I'll tell you this too. And one of the reasons he's still on the roster is because he's healthy guy too. I mean, he show he's he's usually available yeah. for them. I missed a little bit of camp, but I mean, he's he's available. So. But man, if they could get, I'm not even saying this kind of production. I mean, if he could somehow even for the rest of this year, just at least leave on a good note. I, I don't think he's going to be part of the Jags going forward. Yeah. I, just, again, it can happen. Smoot is an example of a guy who can all of a sudden figure it out. Like, and Smoot didn't take four years, but and he wasn't drafted in the first round. Yeah. But he took a good three years to figure it out. He did, but it's also putting him in the right position to succeed. Well, that's true, right? too. Because Smoot's always been kind of like, like a tweener, right? Yeah, you put yeah. him on the outside, you put him on the inside, defensive end, defensive tackle. So he's always trying to – he's had to find his home. And um, I think he's finally found that. And, and with Taven, yeah, you know, I mean, like, I remember watching, you know, when, back when I played J.J. Watt all the time. And, like, what made J.J. Watt so great? Now, yes, J.J. Watt is an explosive player. Obviously, he's strong. Just look at the dude. Um, you know, he's built like Captain America. But, like, and, he, and he's got the motor, right? Motors is a big part motor of, of, of big it thing. as well. But, like, what made J.J. Watt so great was the fact that his ability to diagnose if it was a run to convert that run move into a pass move. Like, in, in literally a split second, he would recognize it, use his hands, use his strength, and now he's pass rushing. And now he's getting past the tackle or the guard or wh whoever he's on. That, you know, that is so hard to teach. And it, it comes from more of an instinct thing than anything. You know, I mean, yeah, sure, you can sit there and watch film uh, till the cows come home and say, okay, if he sets like this, it's going to be a, a pass, so be it. But, like, some guys just have it and some guys don't. I think with Taven Bryan's career so far, for whatever reason, he has not been able to, to, to diagnose plays like that. Whether it's a play-action pass, whether it's misdirection, he's just had problems diagnosing those things. And when you're in your own head and, and mentally you're getting affected, that slows you down. Oh, yeah. So now all of a sudden the things that, that got you to the, the dance, that got you to the league, are, are now a detriment because you're thinking way too much. But when you're not thinking and you use your athleticism and your power, then something special could happen. And that was an example yesterday from Taven Bryant. Yeah, I mean, because it wasn't just the two sacks, by the way. He was in on a lot of play. I mean, 93 was around the football. I mean, 93 looked like the 93 that was here for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how often I saw him like, near the quarterback and yeah. making plays. So it was uh, it was pretty wild to see that. I, I think that's a funny thing about sports. And you're right, matchups play into it, how they utilize and plays into it. But... 
how somebody can look really just lost for as long as he's looked and now go do that. And you're like, whoa, that's what they drafted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what people saw. Uh, and you just brought up an interesting point, and we talked about this last week. We talked about this when it comes to turnovers as well. IQ instinct. Mm -hmm. Those are things that are unteachable. Mm -hmm. Either you got that or you don't. I don't think you teach that. You don't develop that. Mm -hmm. And also, you don't measure it at the combine. That, that, the Wonderlick test doesn't tell you if you have good football IQ. That's no. not what it accomplishes. Correct. And so you have to see that and feel that. And sometimes in college, you don't have to worry about it because you're just a better player. Mm. And, and there are a lot of guys in the NFL that don't have great instinct and IQ, but have the ability in other facets like their talent oh, or yeah. strength to make yeah. speed to make up for it. Yeah. But then there's the player like we talk about Jalen Ramsey. That's a guy who is physical, he is fast, mm -hmm. he is freaky with his athleticism already in his body to begin with, but he also adds instinct and IQ oh, yeah. to the table. Like, like the complete package. And he'll never get credit for the instinct and IQ because his athleticism and talent and all that other stuff is so good. Yes. So once when you get that, you get J.J. Watt, right? Mm -hmm. You get Aaron Donald. You yeah. get those guys. Those guys have that complete package. See, I think of a guy like Clowney. Remember how much of a freak Clowney Freaky. was out of college? Now, injuries played a, a part of that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. played a big part of it. But, like, you know, you, you would see him, like, overrun the, the quarterback sometimes. The quarterback step up. But, like, in terms of freakish, like, it may not get more freakish than, you know, Clowney. And that's why he but, probably had some dominant games and some off games. Yes. Right? Correct. Sometimes it added up and it worked out. Yeah. And other times it was like, where did he go today? Yeah. And that creates inconsistency, which I always think, uh, and kind of tell my kids this, is like, that's the worst. Mm -hmm. That's the worst thing, because a coach wants to know what they're going to get. Correct. Right? You yep. throw a guy out there who's inconsistent, it's like, all right, which one's showing up today? Yeah. And that's never a good thing, because you yeah. can't rely on anything. Yeah, that reminds me, you remember a coach, uh, we used to call him Coach Bono. I can't remember to pronounce his last yeah, name. Yeah, Bonagoro. Yeah, Bonagoro. John Bonagoro. He yeah. always had a thing every day for special teams. He would put up a picture of McDonald's. He put up a picture of this restaurant that was at a dry cleaner. And he said, I want McDonald's every single day because I know what I'm getting. It may not be the best, but I want McDonald's from you guys because I know what I'm getting with McDonald's. Right. And a double cheeseburger. He's like, this dry cleaner restaurant right here, I don't want this. He's <laughs> yeah. like, sometimes you guys are playing like this. I don't, I don't need this. I need the McDonald's. That's great. Yeah. I think it's a great illustration. It yeah. really is. You yeah. know, I think it's really great for young kids. I don't think they hear that enough. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, I don't know how you develop into that, but I think if you can be that person, like, that's who you are. Yeah. Uh, and... And sometimes it doesn't make you the greatest player, but it's still a reliable asset for a coach to know, okay, I'm going to get this. Yep. Uh, and Taven Bryan has been, I don't know what the hell I'm going to get. I mean, he really has been that guy. Mm -hmm. But, man, if he can give this defense a couple more games like that, they got a chance to maybe win a few more uh, down the road. What does the rest of the NFL look like? Uh, how about what's going on in Gainesville? Strange times, how that thing is disintegrated so quickly. And more on the Jags still to come. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's a victory Monday for the Jags 9-6 to over the Bills. I think Josh has been playing really well. The guys are really, you look at even when Josh had that big sack year, I think it was his rookie year, was it? It was because of the other guys, you know, sacks are a result of everybody going. It's a little bit like a quarterback on offense. They're a result. And you have Roy, you had uh, uh, Taven had a career day, and you had Smoot inside, uh, not Smoot, Jihad Ward inside. You know, the interior rush was really good, and that allowed uh, Josh to do Josh things, and that's come around the edge. 
That is Urban Meyer, and uh, man, I tell you, it's just nice to talk about a win. It's nice to talk about this defense. Oh, yeah. I wonder if this defense has something now. They, they, they played pretty well against Miami. They think they played fine in the second half against Seattle, so let's give it to them. I mean, I still think that is a weird game to judge them on. I think they played awful. <laughs> Every facet of the game, I thought they got pushed around, everything. So, whatever. But they played really well. Like, this was the best, guys. This was the best defensive performance since 2018. That's what this was. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. Jihad Ward move inside a little bit more than usual. Did you notice that? Yeah. I mean, it, once again, it was just the fact that you had a pretty good idea that Buffalo was not going to run the ball. And if they did, they, you know, they're, just not, they're not a good running football team, which is it's crazy to me because, like, their head coach is I know. old school smash mouth and they play great defense, but they cannot run the football. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he obviously, Urban Meyer right there just said, like, career day for Taven Bryan. But he mentioned somebody else. And he mentioned Roy. And it's the first time I feel like maybe he's made an impact, mm -hmm. even though I didn't see him much. Yeah. But Roy Robertson-Harris, Malcolm Brown, Devon Hamilton, overall we mentioned that push. Yeah. Did you notice Roy Robertson-Harris? Are you noticing a different Roy Robertson-Harris? <sighs> I noticed him a couple of times getting good pressure in the backfield, whether it was a run or a pass. I noticed him out there. Um, but, like, all those interior guys, whether it was did a great job as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was just creating chaos in the backfield. It was, yeah. it was you know, pushing your man, uh, whether there was a puller or something, just it was chaos in the backfield. That's what you want from a defense. All right, more defense to talk, more Jags. You know what's really weird about this game is that, like, the Jags win. They get a huge win over the Bills. There's really one thing to talk about. It was the defense. Yeah. I mean, the other part was Trevor Lawrence, okay, you're healthy, that's good. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, there wasn't. And we have the good Josh Allen. <laughs> and we have the good Josh Allen, right? Yes. Yeah. But it's all Josh Allen and defense. Yeah, <laughs> and that's really it. Like yeah. there weren't a lot of storylines in the game. It yeah. was like, I mean, Jags defense was better. How I, I feel about Matthew Wright? Hey, he was three for. That's so weird. I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's do it. three we're for gonna six. It, we're gonna yeah. do that football at five. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit because that was an odd sequence. And how do you feel about Matthew Wright as a good? Because I do think the the kid deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. But that still was an odd sequence. So we'll get into that. Uh, a, a real cup, quick couple minutes. Is Dan Mullen going to survive No. in Gainesville? <laughs> like, this is weird, man. Like, you're a Gator. This is turned in a, yeah. I mean, on a dime. Yeah. This thing is turned. And now, if you look back, it really hasn't turned on a dime. It's over. They're 2-8 and eight against Power 5 schools in the, in the last 10 games. 2-8. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. This was a team that was ranked in the top 10 three straight years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is ridiculous. Now, again, you could say, well, they played Alabama, they played Georgia, they played, I think, Alabama another time. No, was it Alabama? Uh, somebody else, number one, who was next. They played, like, three number ones in the stretch. Oh, it was Alabama in the SEC championship. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So they, But they've also played, like, and lost to four unranked teams where they've been double-digit favorites. <laughs> I mean, this thing was unacceptable. This thing, you know, they lost to a South Carolina team. That is not good. Like, really not good. The one thing about LSU is LSU has guys. Like, yeah, LSU yeah. always recruits. So one thing about LSU, they're not good, but they have bodies yeah. that can beat you. That's not the case in South Carolina. No, South Carolina, now. it's not that South Carolina, this felt like, to me, the loss to Georgia Southern in a weird way. I know mm -hmm. it's a totally different thing, but South Carolina, Vanderbilt, those teams in the SEC are not good. Like, they are not good at all.
And this felt like a Georgia Southern kind of loss. And not only did they lose, they got stomped mm -hmm. by South Carolina. So I ask again, after Grantham's fired, Hevesy's fired, is, is Dan Mullen now just grasping at things? Because when you start firing people, that's usually what it means. Mm -hmm. Is he going to survive after this season? I don't think he's getting fired any time in the next month. But is he going to be the coach in 2022? Yeah, uh, I think it definitely warrants that question. And, and this is such, it's typical college football behavior. When your team gets beat by South Carolina, which had no business even competing with you, and you get curb stomped by South Carolina, oh, we got we to fire Grantham. Like, it was just, be, yeah, it's going to change around now. It'll, yeah. it'll turn around now because cause he's, he's a scapegoat. And the fans and, have been calling for that for like yeah, two years. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But at the same time, you got beat by South Carolina. Like, your team came out, and they weren't ready to play. You got your starting quarterback getting hurt in the hotel, dancing, whatever happened there. Like, mm. it, it, it seems like it's a mess right now in Florida. And that starts with Dan Mullen. So, I get it. Make guys escape, go and say it's his fault, and things are going to turn around now, so be it. But, man, um, in terms of expectations, in terms of the SEC where it's supposed to mean more, what are these losses meaning right now to Florida? By the way, th there's like 10 teams in the country that have pitiful records over Power 5 schools in the last 10 games. Yeah. Three of them are from the SEC. It yeah. just means more. It just means more. <laughs> well, first off, Samford licking their chops going to Gainesville this week. Oh, for sure. At an four and five. With an opportunity to beat a Gator team. Uh, by the way, couldn't be me that bet South Carolina money line. No money. Way. Line. You better believe it. I oh, knew they were going to Now, lose. that's a negative Gator fan right there. Look, I that's knew. That's when negativity pays off. Yeah. Look, you got to be honest with yourself. I knew they're. I can show you a text. I texted Brian Middleton before the game. I said, I said a little bit of a different score. What were they? Were they like tw 20? 20. 20? Is that it? <sighs> yeah. I thought it might have been more. It's a half. 20 half. The. Okay, so seriously. Mm -hmm. Is Dan Mullen your. Yeah. He's is done. he the coach in 2022? I really, really, really want to say no, but I think he will be because I think. The obvious move is, if you're Dan Mullen, I think, you can't recruit, apparently. Ed Ogeron's getting fired. You bring him in as your defensive coordinator, and he can recruit the heck out of it. Mm. That's the move you have to make. I think he will be the coach, but I was really hoping that there would have been some report he pulled that Urban Meyer didn't get on the plane in South Carolina and was somewhere in Columbia, not the head coach of the Gators. Listen, <laughs> here's why he's going to be the coach in 2022, and they're in a tough spot because now they might be like, well, it might not work out, but uh, Will Muschamp was in this spot like in year three, they had asked him to clean so much up after Urban. He wasn't that good. They kind of knew it wasn't going to work, but they gave him one more go around. This is different, though, for Mullen. Mullen, he fixed a mess. I mean, they couldn't win in Gainesville, and he went 10-3, and 11-2, and even 8-4 and four last year and finished first in the SEC East. Now, this is a disaster right now. They're 4-5 and five, and 2-5 and five in the SEC, but he did too much to build equity on fixing the program and winning. You can't uh, just give up on that. But keep in mind, those weren't his how, guys he was, was winning with. I was going to say, how are his guys doing? Well, that's a fair point. I mean, Kyle Trask was he's not a heck his of a Correct. Shows he's a heck of a coach, but you're right. They need to get recruiting in. They need to try. He's got one gasp to fix recruiting, whatever that is. Spending more money on it, bringing assistant coaches like Eddie Owen or somebody else in. I don't know what the answers are, but he's got one fix to trend in the right direction. So you because think he's got the guy can coach. So he's got, we got one more year, you think? Yeah. I, th I don't think there's a chance in heck that they fire him. I don't. And by the way, they, he does have a relationship with Strickland. I will say this. The one strange thing, and I know we got to go, about McElwain, Mullen, Listen, quirky is cool sometimes. 
<laughs> I'm not sure quirky as your college football coach is always the best thing. Yeah, talk to Dabble Swinney. Yeah, it's a different kind of quirk. Oh, right now, kind of quirk. Oh, well, how about right now but the guy's won this? some championships, if, if too. You're going you to be a, if you're going to be quirky, listen, Mike Leach is a quirky guy, right? Sure. Yeah, that's if, not. But if you're going to be quirky, then you better be able to recruit, too. Dabo can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you sure. know, it's just an odd thing sometimes. I don't know. It's uh, it's It feels strange in Gainesville, and it's a disaster right now in Gainesville. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back. Football at 5. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.